Section 9 of Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Section 9. Tuesday and Wednesday. I have been hindered by this wicked woman's watching me so close from writing on Tuesday, and so I will put both these days together. I have been a little turn with her for an airing in the chariot, and walked several times in the garden, but have always her at my heels. Mr. Williams came to see us, and took a walk with us once, and while her back was just turned, encouraged by the hint he had before given me, I said, Sir, I see two tiles upon that parsley bed, might not one cover them with mould, with a note between them on occasion? A good hint, said he. Let that sunflower by the back door of the garden be the place. I have a key to the door, for it is my nearest way to the town. So I was forced to begin. Oh, what inventions will necessity push us upon? I hugged myself at the thought, and she coming to us, he said, as if he was continuing a discourse we were in, no, not extraordinary pleasant. What's that? What's that? said Mrs. Jukes. Only, said he, the town, I'm saying, is not very pleasant. No, indeed, said she, it is not. It is a poor town, to my thinking. Are there any gentry in it? said I, and so we chatted on about the town to deceive her. But my deceit intended no hurt to anybody. We then talked of the garden, how large and pleasant, and the like, and sat down on the tufted slope of the fine fish-pond to see the fishes play upon the surface of the water, and she said, I should angle if I would. I wish, said I, you'd be so kind to fetch me a rod and baits. Pretty mistress, said she, I know better than that, I'll assure you at this time. I mean no harm, said I, indeed. Let me tell you, said she, I know none who have their thoughts more about them than you. A body ought to look to it where you are. But we'll angle a little to-morrow. Mr. Williams, who is much afraid of her, turned the discourse to a general subject. I sauntered in and left them to talk by themselves, but he went away to town, and she was soon after me. I had got to my pen and ink, and I said, I want some paper, Mrs. Jukes, putting what I was about in my bosom. You know I have written two letters and sent them by John. Oh, how his name, poor guilty fellow, grieves me. Well, said she, you have some left. One sheet did for those two letters. Yes, said I, but I used half another for a cover, you know, and see how I have scribbled the other half. And so I showed her a parcel of broken scraps of verses, which I had tried to recollect, and had written purposely that she might see, and think me usually employed to such idle purposes. Ay, said she, so you have. Well, I'll give you two sheets more, but let me see how you dispose of them, either written or blank. Well, thought I, I hope still, Argus, to be too hard for thee. Now Argus, the poets say, had a hundred eyes, and was set to watch with them all, as she does. She brought me the paper and said, Now, madame, let me see you write something. I will, said I, and took the pen and wrote, 
I wish Mrs. Jukes would be so good to me as I would be to her if I had it in my power. That's pretty now, said she. Well, I hope I am, but what then? Why then, wrote I, she would do me the favor to let me know what I have done to be made her prisoner, and what she thinks is to become of me. Well, and what then? said she. Why then, of consequence, scribbled I, she would let me see her instructions that I may know how far to blame or to acquit her. Thus I fooled on to show her my fondness for scribbling, for I had no expectation of any good from her, that so she might suppose I employed myself, as I said, to no better purpose at other times, for she will have it that I am upon some plot I am so silent and love so much to be by myself. She would have made me write on a little further. No, said I, you have not answered me. Why, said she, what can you doubt when my master himself assures you of his honor? Ay, said I, but lay your hand to your heart, Mrs. Jukes, and tell me, if you yourself believe him. Yes, said she, to be sure I do. But, said I, what do you call honor? Why, said she, what does he call honor, think you? Ruin, shame, disgrace, said I, I fear. Pooh, pooh, said she, if you have any doubt about it, he can best explain his own meaning. I'll send him word to come and satisfy you, if you will. Horrid creature, said I, all in a fright, canst thou not stab me to the heart? I'd rather thou wouldst than say such another word. But I hope there is no such thought of his coming. She had the wickedness to say, No, no, he don't intend to come as I know of. But if I was he, I would not be long away. What means the woman? said I. Mean, said she, turning it off. Why, I mean, I would come, if I was he, and put an end to all your fears, by making you as happy as you wish. It is out of his power, said I, to make me happy, great and rich as he is, but by leaving me innocent and giving me liberty to go to my dear father and mother. She went away soon after, and I ended my letter, in hopes to have an opportunity to lay it in the appointed place. So I went to her and said, I suppose, as it is not dark, I may take another turn in the garden. It is too late, said she, but if you will go, don't stay. And, Nan, see and attend, madame, as she called me. So I went towards the pond, the maid following me, and dropped purposely my hussy. And when I came near the tiles, I said, Mrs. Anne, I have dropped my hussy. Be so kind as to look for it. I had it by the pond-side. She went back to look, and I slipped the note between the tiles, and covered them as quick as I could with the light mould, quite unperceived. And the maid finding the hussy, I took it and sauntered in again, and met Mrs. Jukes coming to see after me. What I wrote was this. Reverend Sir, the want of an opportunity to speak my mind to you, I am sure will excuse this boldness in a poor creature that is betrayed hither, I have reason to think, for the worst of purposes. You know something, to be sure, of my story, my native poverty, which I am not ashamed of, my late lady's goodness, and my master's designs upon me. It is true he promises honor and all that, 
but the honor of the wicked is disgrace and shame to the virtuous and he may think he keeps his promises according to the notions he may allow himself to hold and yet according to mine and every good body's basely ruin me i am so wretched and ill-treated by this mrs jukes and she is so ill-principled a woman that as i may soon want the opportunity which the happy hint of this day affords to my hopes i throw myself at once upon your goodness without the least reserve for i cannot be worse than i am should that fail me which i dare say to your power it will not for i see it sir in your looks i hope it from your cloth and i doubt it not from your inclination in a case circumstance as my unhappy one is for sir in helping me out of my present distress you perform all the acts of religion in one and the highest mercy and charity both to the body and soul of a poor wretch that believe me sir has at present not so much as in thought swerved from her innocence is there not some way to be found out for my escape without danger to yourself is there no gentleman or lady of virtue in this neighborhood to whom i may fly only till i can find a way to get to my poor father and mother cannot lady davers be made acquainted with my sad story by your conveying a letter to her my poor parents are so low in the world they can do nothing but break their hearts for me and that i fear will be the end of it my master promises if i will be easy as he calls it in my present lot he will not come down without my consent alas sir this is nothing for what's the promise of a person who thinks himself at liberty to act as he has done by me if he comes it must be to ruin me and come to be sure he will when he thinks he has silenced the clamours of my friends and lulled me as no doubt he hopes into a fatal security now therefore sir is all the time i have to work and struggle for the preservation of my honesty if i stay till he comes i am undone you have a key to the back garden door i have great hopes from that study good sir and contrive for me i will faithfully keep your secret yet i should be loath to have you suffer for me i say no more but commit this to the happy tiles in the bosom of that earth where i hope my deliverance will take root and bring forth such fruit as may turn to my inexpressible joy and your eternal reward both here and hereafter as shall ever pray your oppressed humble servant thursday this completes a terrible week since my setting out as i hoped to see you my dear father and mother oh how different were my hopes then from what they are now yet who knows what these happy tiles may produce but i must tell you first how i have been beaten by mrs jukes it is very true and thus it came about my impatience was great to walk in the garden to see if anything had offered answerable to my hopes but this wicked mrs jukes would not let me go without her and said she was not at leisure we had a great many words about it for i told her it was very hard i could not be trusted to walk by myself in the garden for a little air but must be dogged and watched worse than a thief she still pleaded her instructions and said she was not to trust me out of her sight and you had better said she be easy and contented i assure you for i have worse orders than you have yet found i remember added she 
you're asking Mr. Williams if there were any gentry in the neighborhood. This makes me suspect you want to get away to them to tell your sad dismal story as you call it. My heart was at my mouth, for I feared by that hint she had seen my letter under the tiles. Oh, how uneasy I was! At last she said, Well, since you take on so, you may take a turn, and I will be with you in a minute. When I was out of sight of her window, I speeded towards the hopeful place, but was soon forced to slacken my pace by her odious voice. Hey, Day, why so nimble and whither so fast? said she. What, are you upon a wager? I stopped for her till her pursy sides were waddled up to me, and she held by my arm half out of breath so I was forced to pass by the dear place without daring to look at it. The gardener was at work a little farther, and so we looked upon him, and I began to talk about his art. But she said softly, My instructions are not to let you be so familiar with the servants. Why, said I, are you afraid I should confederate with them to commit a robbery upon my master? Maybe I am, said the odious wretch, for to rob him of yourself would be the worst that could happen to him in his opinion. And pray, said I, walking on, how came I to be his property? What right has he in me but such as a thief may plead to stolen goods? Why, was ever the like heard? said she. This is downright rebellion, I protest. Well, well, lambkin, which the foolish often calls me, if I was in his place, he should not have his property in you long questionable. Why, what would you do, said I, if you were he? Not stand shall I shall I, as he does, but put you and himself both out of your pain. Why, Jezebel, said I, I could not help it, would you ruin me by force? Upon this she gave me a deadly slap upon my shoulder. Take that, said she, whom do you call Jezebel? I was so surprised, for you never beat me, my dear father and mother, in your lives, that I was like one thunderstruck, and looked round as if I wanted somebody to help me. But alas, I had nobody, and said at last, rubbing my shoulder, Is this also in your instructions? Alas, for me, am I to be beaten too? And so fell a-crying, and threw myself upon the grass-walk we were upon. Said she, in a great pet, I won't be called such names, I'll assure you. Mary, come up. I see you have a spirit. You must and shall be kept under. I'll manage such little provoking things as you, I'll warrant ye. Come, come, we'll go in adoors, and I'll lock you up, and you shall have no shoes, nor anything else, if this be the case. I did not know what to do. It was a cruel thing to me, and I blamed myself for my free speech for now I have given her some pretense. And, oh, thought I, here I have, by my malapertness, ruined the only project I had left. The gardener saw this scene, but she called to him, Well, Jacob, what do you stare at? Pray mind what you're upon. And away he walked to another quarter out of sight. Well, thought I, I must put on the dissembler a little, I see. She took my hand roughly, Come, get up, said she, and come in adores. I'll Jezebel you, I will so. Why, dear Mrs. Jukes, said I, 
none of your dears and your coaxing said she why not jezebel again she was in a fearful passion i saw and i was out of my wits thought i i have often heard women blamed for their tongues i wish mine had been shorter but i can't go in said i indeed i can't why said she can't you i'll warrant i can take such a thin body as you under my arm and carry you in if you won't walk you don't know my strength yes but i do said i too well and you will not use me worse when i come in so i arose and she muttered to herself all the way she to be a jezebel with me that had used me so well and such like when i came near the house i said sitting down upon a settle bench well i will not go in till you say you forgive me mrs jukes if you will forgive my calling you that name i will forgive you for beating me she sat down by me and seemed in a great pucker and said well come i will forgive you for this time and so kissed me as a mark of reconciliation but pray said i tell me where i am to walk and go and give me what liberty you can and when i know the most you can favor me with you shall see i will be as content as i can and not ask you for more ay said she this is something like i wish i could give you all the liberty you desire for you must think it is no pleasure to me to tie you to my petticoat as it were and not let you stir without me but people that will do their duties must have some trouble and what i do is to serve as good a master to be sure as lives yes said i to everybody but me he loves you too well to be sure returned she and that's the reason so you ought to bear it i say love replied i come said she don't let the wench see you have been crying nor tell her any tales for you won't tell them fairly i am sure and i'll send her and you shall take another walk in the garden if you will may be it will get you a stomach to your dinner for you don't eat enough to keep life and soul together you are beauty to the bone added the strange wretch or you would not look so well as you do with so little stomach so little rest and so much pining and whining for nothing at all well thought i say what thou wilt so i can be rid of thy bad tongue in company and i hope to find some opportunity now to come at my sunflower but i walked the other way to take that in my return to avoid suspicion i forced my discourse to the maid but it was all upon general things for i find she is asked after everything i say and do when i came near the place as i had been devising i said pray step to the gardener and ask him to gather a salad for me to dinner she called out jacob said i he can't hear you so far off and pray tell him i should like a cucumber too if he has one when she had stepped about a bowshot from me i popped down and whipped my fingers under the upper tile and pulled out a letter without direction and thrust it in my bosom trembling for joy she was with me before i could well secure it and i was in such a taking that i feared i should discover myself you seem frightened madame said she why said i with a lucky thought alas your poor daughter will make an intriguer by and by but i hope an innocent one i stooped to smell the sunflower 
and a great nasty worm ran into the ground that startled me, for I can't abide worms. Said she, Sunflowers don't smell. So I find, replied I, and then we walked in, and Mrs. Jukes said, Well, you have made haste now, you shall go another time. I went up to my closet, locked myself in, and opening my letter, found in it these words. I am infinitely concerned for your distress. I most heartily wish it may be in my power to serve and save so much innocence, beauty, and merit. My whole dependence is upon Mr. B., and I have a near view of being provided for by his favor to me. But yet I would sooner forfeit all my hopes in him, trusting in God for the rest, than not assist you if possible. I never looked upon Mr. B. in the light he now appears in to me, in your case. To be sure, he is no professed debauchee, but I am entirely of opinion you should, if possible, get out of his hands, and especially as you are in very bad ones in Mrs. Jukes's. We have here the widow Lady Jones, mistress of a good fortune, and a woman of virtue, I believe. We have also old Sir Simon Darnford, and his lady, who is a good woman, and they have two daughters, virtuous young ladies. All the rest are but middling people, and traitors at best. I will try, if you please, either Lady Jones or Lady Darnford, if they'll permit you to take refuge with them. I see no probability of keeping myself concealed in this matter, but will, as I said, risk all things to serve you, for I never saw a sweetness and innocence like yours, and your hard case has attached me entirely to you, for I know, as you so happily express, if I can serve you in this case, I shall thereby perform all the acts of religion in one. As to Lady Davers, I will convey a letter, if you please, to her but it must not be from our post-house, I give you caution, for the man owes all his bread to Mr. B., and his place, too, and I believe, by something that dropped from him, over a can of ale, has his instructions. You don't know how you are surrounded, all which confirms me in your opinion, that no honor is meant you, let what will be professed. And I am glad you want no caution on that head." Give me leave to say that I had heard much in your praise, but, I think, greatly short of what you deserve, both as to person and mind. My eyes convince me of the one, your letter of the other. For fear of losing the present lucky opportunity, I am longer than otherwise I should be, but I will not enlarge any further than to assure you that I am, to the best of my power, your faithful friend and servant, Arthur Williams. I will come once every morning and once every evening after school time to look for your letters. I'll come in and return without going into the house if I see the coast clear. Otherwise, to avoid suspicion, I'll come in. I instantly, in answer to this pleasing letter, wrote as follows. Reverend Sir, oh, how suited to your function and your character is your kind letter. God bless you for it. I now think I am beginning to be happy. I should be sorry to have you suffer on my account, but I hope it will be made up to you an hundredfold by that God whom you so faithfully serve. I should be too happy could I ever have it in my power to contribute in the least to it. But, alas, to serve me must be for God's sake only, for I am poor and lowly in fortune, though in mind, I hope, too high to do a mean and unworthy deed to gain a kingdom 
but I lose time. Any way you think best, I should be pleased with, for I know not the persons, nor in what manner it is best to apply to them. I am glad of the hint you so kindly give me of the man at the post-house. I was thinking of opening a way for myself by letter, when I could have opportunity, but I see more and more that I am indeed strangely surrounded with dangers, and that there is no dependence to be made on my master's honor. I should think, sir, if either of these ladies would give leave, I might some way get out by favor of your key, and as it is impossible, watched as I am, to know when that can be, suppose, sir, you get one made by it, and put it the next opportunity under the sunflower? I am sure no time is to be lost, because it is rather my wonder that she is not thoughtful about this key than otherwise, for she forgets not the minutest thing. But, sir, if I had this key, I could, if these ladies would not shelter me, run away anywhere. And if I was once out of the house, they could have no pretense to force me again, for I have done no harm, and hope to make my story good to any compassionate body, and by this way you need not be known. Torture should not wring it from me, I assure you. One thing more, good sir, have you no correspondence with my master's Bedfordshire family? By that means, maybe, I could be informed of his intention of coming hither, and when I enclose you a letter of a deceitful wretch, for I can trust you with anything, poor John Arnold. Its contents will tell why I enclose it. Perhaps by his means something may be discovered, for he seems willing to atone for his treachery to me by the intimation of future service. I leave the hint to you to improve upon, and am, reverend sir, your forever obliged and thankful servant. I hope, sir, by your favor, I could send a little packet now and then, somehow, to my poor father and mother. I have a little stock of money, about five or six guineas. Shall I put half in your hands, to defray the charge of a man and horse, or any other incidents? I had but just time to transcribe this, before I was called to dinner, and I put that for Mr. Williams, with a wafer in it, in my bosom, to get an opportunity to lay it in the dear place. Oh, good sirs, of all the flowers in the garden, the sunflower, sure, is the loveliest. It is a propitious one to me. How nobly my plot succeeds! But I begin to be afraid my writings may be discovered, for they grow large. I stitch them hitherto in my undercoat, next my linen. But if this brute should search me, I must try to please her, and then she won't. Well, I am but just come off from a walk in the garden, and have deposited my letter by a simple while. I got some horse-beans, and we took a turn in the garden, to angle, as Mrs. Jukes had promised me. She baited the hook, and I held it, and soon hooked a lovely carp. Play it, play it, said she. I did, and brought it to the bank. A sad thought just then came into my head, and I took it, and threw it in again. And oh, the pleasure it seemed to have, to flounce in, when at liberty. Why this? says she. Oh, Mrs. Jukes, said I, I was thinking this poor carp was the unhappy Pamela. I was likening you and myself to my naughty master. As we hooked and deceived the poor carp, so was I betrayed by false baits. And when you said, play it, play it, it went to my heart to think I should sport with the destruction of the poor fish I had betrayed. 
and I could not but fling it in again, and did you not see the joy with which the happy carp flounced from us? Oh, said I, may some good merciful body procure me my liberty in the same manner, for, to be sure, I think my danger equal. Lord bless thee, said she, what a thought is there! Well, I can angle no more, added I. I'll try my fortune, said she, and took the rod. Do, answered I, and I will plant life, if I can, while you are destroying it. I have some horse-beans here, and will go and stick them in one of the borders, to see how long they will be coming up, and I will call them my garden. So you see, dear father and mother, I hope now you will soon see, for maybe, if I can't get away so soon myself, I may send my papers somehow, I say you will see, that this furnishes me with a good excuse to look after my garden another time, and if the mold should look a little freshish, it won't be so much suspected. She mistrusted nothing of this, and I went and stuck in here and there my beans for about the length of five L's of each side of the sunflower, and easily deposited my letter, and not a little proud am I of this contrivance. Sure something will do at last. FRIDAY, SATURDAY I have just now told you a trick of mine. Now I'll tell you a trick of this wicked woman's. She comes up to me, says she, I have a bill I cannot change till to-morrow, and a tradesman wants his money most sadly, and I don't love to turn poor tradesfolks away without their money. Have you any about you? I have a little, replied I. How much will you do? Oh, said she, I want eight pounds. Alack, said I, I have but between five and six. Lend me that, said she, till to-morrow. I did so, and she went downstairs, and when she came up she laughed and said, Well, I have paid the tradesman. Said I, I hope you'll give it me again to-morrow. At that the assurance, laughing aloud, said, Why, what occasion have you for money? To tell you the truth, Lambkin, I didn't want it. I only feared you might make a bad use of it. And now I can trust Nan with you a little oftener, especially as I have got the key of your portmanteau, so that you can neither corrupt her with money nor fine things. Never did anybody look more silly than I. Oh, how I fretted to be so foolishly outwitted! and the more, as I had hinted to Mr. Williams, that I would put some in his hands to defray the charges of my sending to you. I cried for vexation, and now I have not five shillings left to support me if I can get away. Was ever such a fool as I? I must be priding myself in my contrivances indeed, said I. Was this in your instructions, Wolfkin? For she called me Lambkin. Jezebel, you mean, child, said she. Well, I now forgive you heartily. Let's buss and be friends. Out upon you, said I, I cannot bear you. But I durst not call her names again, for I dread her huge paw most sadly. The more I think of this thing, the more I do regret it and blame myself. This night the man from the post-house brought a letter for Mrs. Jukes, in which was one enclosed for me. She brought it me up said she, Well, my good master don't forget us. He has sent you a letter, and see what he writes to me. So she read, that he hoped her fair charge was well, happy, and contented. 
Ay, to be sure, said I, I can't choose. That he did not doubt her care and kindness to me, and I was very dear to him, and she could not use me too well, and the like. There's a master for you, said she. Sure you will love and pray for him. I desired her to read the rest. No, no, said she, but I won't, said I. Are there any orders for taking my shoes away and for beating me? No, said she, nor about Jezebel neither. Well, returned I, I cry truce, for I have no mind to be beat again. I thought, said she, we had forgiven one another. My letter was as follows. My dear Pamela, I begin to repent already that I have bound myself by promise not to see you till you give me leave, for I think the time very tedious. Can you place so much confidence in me as to invite me down? Assure yourself that your generosity shall not be thrown away upon me. I the rather would press this, as I am uneasy for your uneasiness, for Mrs. Jukes acquaints me that you take your restraint very heavily, and neither eat, drink, nor rest well, and I have too great interest in your health not to wish to shorten the time of this trial, which will be the consequence of my coming down to you. John, too, has intimated to me your concern, with a grief that hardly gave him leave for utterance, a grief that a little alarmed my tenderness for you. Not that I fear anything, but that your disregard to me, which my proud heart will hardly permit me to own, may throw you upon some rashness that might encourage a daring hope. But how poorly do I descend to be anxious about such a menial as he! I will only say one thing, that if you will give me leave to attend you at the hall, consider who it is that requests this from you as a favor, I solemnly declare that you will have cause to be pleased with this obliging mark of your confidence in me and consideration for me, and if I find Mrs. Jukes has not behaved to you with all the respect due to one I so dearly love, I will put it entirely into your power to discharge her the house, if you think proper, and Mrs. Jervis, or who else you please, shall attend you in her place. This I say on a hint John gave me, as if you resented something from that quarter. Dearest Pamela, answer favorably this earnest request of one that cannot live without you, and on whose honor to you you may absolutely depend, and so much the more as you place a confidence in it. I am, and assuredly ever will be, your faithful and affectionate, etc. You will be glad, I know, to hear your father and mother are well, and easy upon your last letter. That gave me a pleasure that I am resolved you shall not repent. Mrs. Jukes will convey to me your answer. End of section 9